a lot of lower extremity trauma, so I'm going to start off with a half hour on the pelvis hip and tumor. Kind of a huge topic, so it's kind of hard to fit everything in here, so we kind of uh, high points and we'll go from there. Uh, just what we're going to do is start off looking at some radiographs, uh, then we'll help pelvis fractures and basically just work our way down. Uh, I thought maybe for the first thing we can do is a little audience participation. I, you know, I've looked at a lot of chest x-rays and I've been taught a lot of ways to read it like systematically. I've really been taught a good way to read a pelvic x-ray before. Um, after reading I found uh, a couple of good uh, hints on our maybe seniors or anybody have any good ways of just looking at the pelvis film and saying like I look at these three or four things and go from there. <laughs> yeah, and I asked just on ortho last month, and I kind of asked them what they normally do, and it's basically the same thing. So, turns especially, uh, first big circle, right? You just look, make sure it's continuous, smooth. Then the two smaller circles, these are greater foramen, right here. Then uh, I also found a couple people, a lot of people look at lines on this. Uh, the first line being, it's called Shenton's line. You look at the medial portion of the femur, and you right up and then it should be contiguous with the uh, lower margin of this superior rhema right here. So you can just kind of look at this line, it should be very, very smooth all the way down. And then two other lines that um, I've seen people look at, this first line uh, traveling right on the, the, the inside portion of this uh, circle, that's the uh, iliopectinate line. Uh, if that has a break in it, that's a good sign of an acetabular fracture. And then the other line right here, the ischial line, you can kind of follow it through. And if that break, that's another good sign of an acid fracture. So I kind of look at, after doing this, I kind of look at three circles and three lines, and that kind of helps me out a lot. Here are just some uh, labels of things. We can kind of go through this quickly. Here are labeled the two lines that I was talking about before that I didn't really know before I did this lecture, the pectinate line and the ischial line. All right, pelvis fractures, we'll kind of... Epidemiology, you guys know this, high, mor high morbidity, high mortality associated with MVCs or falls in the elderly. Clinical features when you see them uh, in the trauma room, you know, basic stuff, pain, crepitus, instability on palpation. Everywhere I read says never rock the pelvis. Uh, at least on EMRAB, the guy says you lose a unit of blood every time you rock the pelvis. So they always just say squeeze the pelvis together, don't shake it like that. Uh, perianal edema, ecchymosis, basic stuff. Apparently a hematoma over the inguinal element is called the stat sign, whatever. And a fracture line palpated on rectal exam is called Earl sign. Other uh, very things that you'll see is hypotension because they bleed. Diagnosis, uh, it's, you just get a film. Uh, one question, uh, this was from EMRAP as well, uh, was who to x-ray. This was in the uh, Trauma Journal back in 1992, and this uh, this big study was done on low risk patients, not huge MVCs, but patients with a fall of you know from standing or you know, low uh, velocity type things. And basically, what they said if the patient was awake and alert, no pelvic pain or tenderness, very very unlikely to have a pelvic fracture. Only three of 743 patients had anything. Were all simple fractures that uh, require symptomatic therapy only. So. That can be useful in the non-major uh, uh, trauma type patients. Uh, CT is what you need if you're worried about posterior arch of the pelvis, acetabulum, or uh, for other associated images. 
hard thing when I was reading, every book that I looked at had a different classification. It seemed for pelvic fractures. Everyone seems to use something different. I'll kind of just glance on two of them. First one, the tile classification. This one basically just, there's three types, type A, B, and C. Type A are stable. Type B and C are both unstable. The difference between type B and C is C is worse. That makes sense. And uh, type B basically involves the anterior structures. Type B kind of involves the posterior structures. Uh, B or type C is uh, rotationally unstable and vertically, or excuse me, uh, both rotationally and vertically unstable. Did I say that right? Type B is vertically, rotationally unstable. Type C, excuse me, is rotationally and vertically unstable. So type C is really unstable. Type B is kind of between. Uh, these are just talking about the most threatening ones you want to look for are type C or open book, type, open book pelvic fractures, type B. The other one that I uh, ran across a lot, I believe this is in Tintin Alley's and Rose's. Uh, they use the Young-Burgess method of classification. Basically what you want to look at first is just, is the pelvic stable? And if they're hemodynamically uh, stable or unstable, that's kind of all you need to know uh, in the first part. Uh, then the uh, classifications for this are all about mechanism instead of uh, the other type that we looked at before. First one's lateral compression. This is when you're T-boned by a car. What happens here is your pelvis shortens and kind of implodes. It doesn't explode. It's not like an open book fracture. It kind of just falls in together. And uh, usually these are not bleeders. So with this type of fracture, you don't want to uh, attribute massive hemorrhage to this fracture. So if, if you get T-boned by a car and they're really hypotensive and tachycardic, just you got to look elsewhere uh, for these bleeders. So you really got to pay attention to the abdominal on patients with lateral compression fractures. It doesn't mean you can't get some bleeding, but it's not like the massive hemorrhage that you would think about in some of the other pelvic fractures. Next one, AP uh, compression. This is a head-on MVC. Or, you know, I've seen a lot of people fall from horse. One is the pelvic kind of explodes. So it's kind of instead of coming down, it kind of pops open. Uh, this is a basically a ligamentous injury. This is going to bleed uh, very bad the you know severe hemorrhage that we uh, so often hear about and then the next one is a vertical shear kind of fall from height maybe one foot lands on something one foot and so you get kind of up and down motion and uh, this one is also your uh, bleeding uh, so the, these last two AP and vertical shear are where we get our massive hemorrhage sometimes they don't bleed with this and sometimes you just don't get any widening of the pelvic diameter but bottom line EP and vertical shear, you got to think hemorrhage, lateral compression. If they're having, if they're shocky, uh, look for blood elsewhere. Uh, so what do we do with these in the ER? Standard trauma protocol, type and cross, put a pelvic binder on, get early ortho consult. We'll go in a little more detail. Angiography is indicated about 2% of these, and it works every time, close to 100% efficacy. I really need to evaluate the uh, abdominal uh, exam as well because these are always MVCs, you know, major trauma, so we got to look at everything. Everywhere I looked, really talked about doing a rectal and vaginal exam because these can really uh, go from a closed fracture to an open fracture. So if you have bone in the you know, rectum or the vaginal canal, that's open fracture, and that is uh, uh, go to the OR right now for things like that. So... Uh, one thing that I found 
to be helpful was I hear like a lot of things, you know, they're unstable, they have abdominal trauma, and they have pelvic trauma. Where do they go for therapy? Uh, so th this was from, uh, I got from EM Rap, the guy talked about it quite a bit. This is a, a diagram to talk about the hemodynamically unstable patients. So these are the sick patients who are bleeding. The first thing the, that this guy kind of made the definition point of was fast. If, they, if he said fast was positive, go to the OR for a laparotomy right now. That was kind of uh, one of the main deciding points. And then you kind of go down from there. Um, if they have evidence of uh, bleeding after the laparotomy, you try to do an X-fix on the pelvis. If that works and you're stopping bleeding, great. If that doesn't work, uh, you go to angiography. Basically, the bottom line with this was what I kind of understood is if you're shocky and you have abdominal and pelvic trauma, go to the OR, uh, get the laparotomy going and call the angiography suite, get them set up. So you basically go, do a quick tie-up abdomen, get them uh, to angiography or for uh, external fixation. So these are just kind of a summary, kind of priority things that we need to do with uh, pelvis, pelvic fractures. Resuscitate the patient, IV monitors, basic stuff. Make your diagnosis, uh, get the films, uh, do the exam, neurologic exam, urethral exam, everything. Uh, then you got to stabilize the ring. Binders, I think, are what we use here. Small hospitals, you can just use the sheet, tie off the pelvis. Uh, get trauma ortho and your involved right away and then uh, look for non-pelvic sources of bleeding with your fast DPL uh, probably not ET of the abdomen and then go to angiography if you're having uh, significant bleeding yet all right these are just a couple of examples off the internet uh, that I found obvious here if we look at our circles easy to tell that there is some system going on around here uh, the uh, one of these lines is also very disrupted, so there's a very good chance acetabular fracture along uh, with this uh, fracture of the inferior pubic rami, open book fracture here. Here's another one, not quite as severe, but again, if we look at our circles, you can tell that this first circle, obviously something's wrong, so we know we got a fracture. Two smaller circles, also something going on here. All right, so key points on pelvic fractures only. Basically, if the patient has displacement of just uh, 0.5 centimeters at any fracture site or an open book, just get ready to try this. Just get ready to get blood. 70% uh, of patients with a major pelvic ring fracture is going to have a major associated injury, whether it be neurologic, uh, ur uh, something for urology to deal with. But these are just sick patients. Um, like I said before, blood loss is life-threatening. Uh, the one thing that I saw a lot about was be careful when you do actually do the binding. I mean, you got to get it tight, but you can't do it too tight. Just don't get too revved up and just completely cinch it down. I've actually never put one on. I don't know really how tight you need to do it. But just been be careful and don't be over-aggressive uh, with binding these. All right, any questions, feel free to jump in. I, haven't, I don't have a lot of personal experience with so I'm just kind of speaking straight from books. So if you guys have any uh, personal experience, that'd be. Yeah, and I've always heard like more than you would think. A lot of people like when I at least when I did ATLS talked about kind of finding the group 
trochanters and kind of have that be in your center point and not not that not high up on the wings, but just make sure you go a little bit lower than what you think you may have to. All right, one quick slide on acetabular fractures. Uh, these happen a lot associated with hip dislocation. Sciatic nerve injury is the major complication with here, and you just need to get ortho involved. All right, hip fractures. I've uh, seen plenty of these in the ER. These are old ladies with falls or uh, people from NBC. Uh, affected leg, classically shortened, externally rotated. Uh, lots of complications from these, you know, venous thromboembolism, avascular necrosis, non-union are some of the major ones. These are always classified kind of as intracapsular or extracapsular. You want to know these? I don't know if you guys can see these. This is just a basic slide about the different types of hip fractures you get. Uh, this is kind of a femoral head fracture. This is a ne uh, femoral neck fracture. An inner troch fracture here, greater trochanter to lesser trochanter. These two right here, these are intracapsular. These rest are extracapsular. So inner troch. We got a subtroch fracture here, and then a couple uh, uh, just fractures of the greater and lesser trochanter there. All right, we'll just kind of one by one real quick. Femoral head fracture is relatively uncommon, uh, often seen in conjunction with hip dislocations. Uh, often need CT or MR uh, to diagnose these. They're not readily apparent on uh, plain films. Femoral neck fractures, these are uh, very common, usually occur in older patients uh, with osteoporosis, who are, and these are, again, intracapsular injuries and they need to be uh, treated with open reduction and internal fixation usually within about 12 hours because uh, uh, not aseptic necrosis, I think this will say vascular necrosis. So uh, these are at high risk because you can really disrupt the blood, blood flow to the femoral head so these need to be fixed quickly. Just an example of one here. All right, intertrochanter fractures, again, extracapsulary fractures. These are uh, the most common type of fracture that you'll see. These patients, actually with femoral neck fracture that we just talked about, those patients can occasionally bear weight on the extremity. Uh, so you just need to have a high index of suspicion on those. Intertroch fractures talks about these patients will never be able to bear weight. Um, so usually pretty easy diagnosis, just get them. Uh, again, these are elderly patients uh, who have fallen. Our basic job here, it seems, in the ER is to often kind of determine the cause of the fall. Like we just can't uh, say you got a hip fracture, see you later. Um, but get the EKG if needed, determine the cause of syncope, anything like that. And these, these patients are 30% mortality with one, with one year. So these patients kind of, that's good. This is an inner troch fracture uh, with some varus uh, deformity. I didn't put those lines in, they just came like that. <laughs> Subtroch fractures. These are just uh, fractures, anything from trochanters to about five centimeters distal. These are usually uh, young people uh, with uh, trauma or a lot of times you have pathologic bone disease. And again, is open reduction and internal fixation, non-union common in this type of fracture. Here's another one. Flashing red arrows this time. Very exciting. This is subtrochanteric. Uh, you know, I have a heck of a time reading some of these, like trochanter, subtrochanter. But this one is, this one's a little, yeah. 
So this one's subtrochanteric. All right, hip dislocations. 90% uh, are posterior. I always just think opposite of the shoulder. Shoulder, you get all anterior dislocations. Hip, you get all posterior dislocations. Often happens during MVCs when you're driving, knee hits the dashboard, pushes the hip back. Uh, leg is classically uh, kind of flexed, AD docted, and kind of internally rotated like this. Uh, anterior dislocations are pretty rare, but in that case, the leg is flexed, abducted, and externally rotated. These are uh, orthopedic emergencies. These are uh, things you got to get them involved uh, right, right away. Uh, reduction, uh, if they are not neurovascularly intact, if they don't have pulses, I think, I'm not sure if you guys have done any of these. I talked to a couple people, and then these type of things need to be done by us uh, in the are if they are don't have uh, if they're not neurovascularly intact if they are get orchid down there and they can help with this but it's got to be done within six hours at least uh, to reduce the incidence of avascular necrosis this is how they'll look when they come in kind of like what I talked about before this is a child with one all right, two types of maneuvers to get them back in. One is the Alice maneuver. This is one I've seen done before. What they do is, uh, the one that I've seen is, uh, you got two people, they'll be lying on the bed. One person will apply steady downward pressure to the iliac wing, so they're kind of just pushing down, really pushing down on their pelvis pretty hard. The other guy will kind of come in, grab the hip, bring it up, of course, under conscious sedation, and uh, bring the hip up to 90 degrees, and then just kind of pull real hard and internally and externally rotate at this time. The one I see, I think the guy, I mean, about passed out, he was pulling so hard. Like it takes quite a bit of force uh, to do this. I'm not sure if anybody else has any experience putting these back in or not. A good pull. Did you like stand on the bed to do it? The one I've seen, like the guy like kind of got up on the bed and... Okay. Fair enough. The other... The other maneuver that I talked about was Stimson maneuver. This time it's prone. They actually hang the leg over the edge of the stretcher and just apply some gentle traction. Not sure about that one. All right, lastly, we'll touch on femur fractures. You know, these occur, MVCs, gunshot wounds, types of accidents. Uh, again, with these, kind of think of the same thing as pelvis. Uh, you can bleed into your femur, plenty of units, and exsanguinate. So, I mean, this can be, um, you can die from this one. So, bleeding is your major concern. Average patient will lose about two to three units of blood into the femur. Uh, about half of these patients will require transfusion. Obviously, just depends on their previous health. Um, again, with all fractures, just assess neurovascular uh, uh, compromise, anything like that. Treatment with this, immobilization, traction, types of things. Sometimes they'll put stein you know, through the femur or through the tibia, by traction, do the, go to the OR the next day. I've also seen traction pins. A lot of times when patients get transferred in, uh, for one of these, I'll have one of these on. So, basically, pain control, traction, ortho involved, and uh, get ready to give blood if needed for these. That's it. Any questions?